yo, we about to tear it up. Yo, break for break, break for break, get down. This right here is how we do it. Break it down. Welcome to the Breaking Atoms podcast, where we break things down to the very last compound. My name is my name, and my name is Chris Mitchell, aka The Actual Factual. I want to send a big shout out to my co-host Summit, who can't make it today. He is busy putting the finishing touches on our, our special podcast series which drops in two days we're going to be celebrating the 25th anniversary of reasonable doubt by jay-z so you can expect five episodes we've spoken to people like jazzo ski beats dj clark kent maria davis and so many more so if you're a jay-z fan and you appreciate classic hip-hop from the 90s please subscribe to the podcast and you'll be able to hear that special podcast series dropping in two days This week's guest is one of the reasons why I rely on the internet to get the music that I need in my life. Nicolay is a living case study in how the internet brings creative worlds together. So in the the words of Marissa Brown from All Music, Nicolay has been a significant factor in the progression of hip-hop, R&B and electronic music since the early 2000s. Since releasing Connected with Fonte as one half of the Foreign Exchange, Nicolay has gone on to release multiple group and solo projects, get nominated for a Grammy, and has amassed a list of accolades longer than his physical height. He's very tall, trust me. I got to speak to the Dutch master about his production inspiration, community and hip-hop, some of his underground collaborations, and the business side of Foreign Exchange music. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, dogs, cats, people with jobs, people without jobs, people with summer bodies, and people who will never have them. This is Nicolay on the Breaking Atoms podcast. Check it out. Nicolay, welcome to Breaking Atoms. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Um, Before we start, uh, I just want to reveal something to you. We met about 10 years ago. Oh, wow. And you may not remember me. Um, you did your first show in London about 10 years ago. A friend of mine, Ra, she booked you for your first show in London. Oh, yes, yes, yes. At the, um, at the uh, Cargo. Is at that Cargo, what yes. Yes. And I came yes. to the hotel and interviewed both you and Fonte. You were extremely tired. Yes, um, he was extremely tired. Well, we both... Uh, was he the one? Did he fall asleep on that one? Was that the one where he fell, fell asleep or no? No, it was the one where I woke him up. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I know that we just came to London, like, and we had some interviews planned. I think looking back at a moment where it wasn't super opportune for us, because we were, we were hella jet lagged, and um, yeah. So I I do remember that now. We were at the hotel. I remember sitting there in a little sort of makeshift sort of little lobby or whatever we were. Like that's a room. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. That is ten years ago. Yeah, so I um I interviewed you and I always remember that Ra came back to me afterwards and she said that Nicolay said that he really enjoyed your interview. Um and I've been telling people that for the last ten years that Nicolay enjoyed my interview. So um That's just, amazing. I just wanted to it's it's uh it's almost almost like a full circle type thing for me. So it's it's good to see you again. You've been extremely busy and we've got a lot to catch up on. That's very true. <laughs> That's very true. Yes, it's been, I mean, it's been just the 10 years just since that. It's just been a, a whirlwind. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's take it back. 
uh, a few years. Tell me about the the importance of December thirty first, two thousand and four. Oh wow, <laughs> that was the um, that was the uh, the literally the day that I told my boss that I wasn't going to be there next year, which was the day after. Uh, um, I, I two thousand and four was the year for me where it all came to fruition, if you will. I I really worked towards that point um, for the two years before, but in 2004, particularly when Connected came out in the summer of, of 2004, um, the record was a modest success. Um, it was largely an underground success, but it but because there was still a, a, a base of record stores around at that point and mom and pops and independent distribution networks. So we had, we had a modest success and I just decided that I was gonna jump um, probably a little bit earlier than I should have looking back, but um, I had the wind in my sails from Connected and I really didn't like my job um, as jobs you know, are known to be. And um, I was like, man, if I can find a way to put all this time, you know, that I put into this job for somebody else, if I find a way to put that in myself, like this, the, the gains are going to be exponential, you know? So I quit my job in, in 2004. Um, and that never looked back really after that, you know, mm, mm. what was your job? I was the, um, I was a, I was a help desk manager, like a telephone help that like I started at IBM, you know, the home computer uh, mm-hmm. division. And so I managed the help desk. Like I, I was kind of the guy sort of, you know, calling the shots at the help desk. So it's, it's, it was a position of authority, but in a, in a part of the company that everybody sort of just, you know, didn't really want nothing to do with, okay. you know, support, you know, we're Sounds all trying fun. to make money. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was fun in the mm-hmm. sense that it was not dirty work. Um, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, there was not anything wrong with it, but I quickly realized that, that, that was not for me. Um, I had, I had gotten the job, simply because it was at a time in my life where I felt I needed to, you know, um, get my shit together, if you will. Um, and so that was sort of what the responsible thing was at the time for me to do. Um, but it instantly just, I realized that it wasn't going to really be something that, um, you know, would be, would, would give me any sort of satisfaction. Um, and so that's kind of where the music thing came in. I started doing that more or less at night, but yeah, it was IBM. And then after that, it sort of morphed into an internet company. And I mean, anybody that's worked on a help desk that has anything to do with computers knows what kind of special hell that, that can be in itself, you know, but it, I, looking back now, I, I don't really, it doesn't bother me, but at the time I was like, wow. Okay. All right. So I would imagine you're working on the help desk during the day, you'd come home and you'd make your beats. What, what was your production setup like at the time? And how has it evolved since? Oh, that is a really great question. I mean, it would have been at the time, it would have been the most bare bones that it, that it would have been um, essentially just a computer. Um, and I had some instruments cause I used to, I used to play in, in bands a lot in the early in, in the nineties. That was kind of what my musical endeavors were, were largely just playing in bands. So I had some instruments from those days. I had a bass guitar, I had some keyboards. Um, and that was really literally it. I didn't have any 
speak. I didn't have any sort of professional gear. It was just a, uh, it was just an outlet that I wanted to have for myself. Um, so it didn't really matter what I used, like if that makes sense. It wasn't, I didn't sit down and said to myself, I'm going to create this masterpiece. I just wanted something to do. I mean, if I had a PlayStation around that time, maybe I would have just become a gamer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe I would have never, I just needed some escape, I guess, from, from, from the, from the, from the nine to five. Um, so at night I just started making beats, man, with just my computer. Uh, I would sample records or I'd sample myself playing certain parts on, on instruments. And, um, the first two years, just kind of doing it for fun. You know, I would, I would literally, you know, come home around six, seven at night, you know, eat something. And then I would start making music until three, four in the morning, you know, six o'clock, you go back, back out to the job and, and repeat, you know, and because Fonte, who I started working with um, at some point was uh, six hours behind me, you know, just time zone wise, it also became something where I needed to sometimes sort of conform myself to that. Yeah. So, I know, I know that life well. Yeah. 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 So it wasn't, um, I didn't get a lot of sleep in those days, but you know, I was young. It didn't matter. You know what I mean? I, 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 it really just in those, like when you're in your, I guess, twenties, you know, you, none of that matters. You just, you just make it happen. And so it was for a while, that was kind of my life. Like I, I was working a, a more or less a full-time job. And then at night times and whatever off time I had, I would be um, making music or be on the internet sort of networking. Okay. So you mentioned Fonte, little brother. You mm -hmm. were one of the first producers outside of Ninth Wonder to mm -hmm. produce a track for them. So you did light it up. I think it was 2002. What mm -hmm. was that like? I mean, it was really um, like now it seems like looking back, obviously it, 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 it was a very uh, profound moment at the time. It was kind of like, it didn't really, um, it happened so organically that it was just something that just, um, just happened. You know, I put some music on the internet, Fonte heard it and he liked it. And that was kind of it, you know? And, um, like you said, he had just, they had just finished, um, the listening, their, their first album that was kind of on the, that was, that was done. Um, hadn't come out yet, but it was done. And so Fonte had, um, I suppose uh, some opportunity to 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 keep working on stuff while that was uh, being hashed out, and so I I became sort of the the uh, the side project, um, if you will, um, for what Little Brother was. And and I think looking back, yeah, it was it was I was one of the later. He's obviously worked with a, a number of fantastic um, producers, but I suppose we were early in terms of you know just kind of creating a lane that would exist as it exists like parallel to little brother um but be different enough that it wouldn't be direct competition of of itself because that wouldn't have made sense you know so it, it needed to be it needed to be different enough that they could it could coexist and there wasn't any sort of overlap that was really important to to both of us okay all right that makes sense so you you, you talk about like you posting your music and you know, i remember seeing your posts on OK Player. Um, I was a member of The Lawn as well. Mm. And mm -hmm. it's really 
just in recent years, I look back on those times so fondly just because there was such yeah. a sense of community. And, you know, being on these forums really informed my taste. You know, there are people that I discovered on these forums that I listen to today. And mm. I've made friends from these forums. You know, I often mention that, you know, I met a guy on the lawn. We're now going to each other's weddings. Like he, I went to his wedding in California. We made an album together. Like 15 years later, we still talk. So that sense of community was real. Talk about your ideas in regards to community in hip hop and what those forums did for you. And now that forums aren't necessarily a thing anymore, where do you think that community has gone? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was the pre-social media age. Um, so that was, um, you know, forums were kind of the step right before that. Um, at, at, the, at the sort of tail end of it, MySpace was around, but, but that was kind of it. But before that, um, yeah, you would, you would go online um, and have these particular, you know, message boards, they would call them, uh, where you could, you know, converse with like-minded people, just to, just to, just to be real kind of basic about it. But OK Player was a great example of that, where it was kind of an overarching umbrella of, of different artists that were all more or less in the same lane, um, you know, from, from the roots, obviously, to Common, to D'Angelo. Um, and so at the time, if you were a fan of D'Angelo and you saw the OK Player link in the booklet, you know, you were you were curious enough to go there. And that, that was sort of the the way that that music community worked at that time, you know. So you you became part of a message board. And if it I think looking back, there were plenty of message boards that that weren't as pronounced or profound as like okay player or even the lawn were um but the ones that did really started becoming very organic very grassroots communities where people would essentially try to build each other up um whether that would be by way of exchanging you know um new music or or friendly sort of music battles or it, it was I, I mean there was some flame in here and there you know you always have uh, some 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 bad sides, but it was largely, I think, very wholesome, very um, nourishing. I mean, obviously, we're a, a great example of how nourishing exactly it, it was. And <clears throat> to be very honest with you, I don't think you could have that today. I, I think social media um, has obviously made it, on the one hand, more accessible, but on the other hand, made it so that the the there's really no... I mean, there are Facebook groups that you could compare to OK Player where people talk about music, you know, and, and record digging and stuff like that. But largely the phenomenon of the message board where you went to a particular place that probably was, you know, a subculture, quote unquote, uh, where you could find some people that might be like like minded or, or similar to you. Um, I, I think I think that the social media age has sort of pushed that um, uh, away, but it was, a, it was an incredible time. I don't think we knew at the time how incredible that time was. You know, I think now, like you said, we look back and we're like, wow, that was a very, um, that was a time that really shaped me, you know, and it, um, and, and as much as you hate to admit it, like there was a beginning and an end to that time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm going to, um, I'm toying with the idea, but I'm going to put it out into the public space because that might give me the impetus to do it. I think I'm going to do a series about the lawn. 
Oh, wow. That'd be great. I mean, there's some awesome stories. And, and I think, I think the lawn was a, a most definitely sort of like key to how little brother sort of were able to turn their internet um, f- fame, if you will, into something real. You know, the lawn was kind of the bridge between OK Player and the real world. And, and, um, and I think, I think that was, that was a, 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 again, a, a community that while music was the thing that, that bound it all together, um, a lot of those friend, people found interhuman connections, you know, that, that transcended music, obviously. Agreed. Agreed. So sticking to um, posting music on, on message boards, City Lights, in its original incarnation went up on a message board. Then you had City Lights 1.5, which is the one I bought. Who, and this is a question I've been wanting to ask, who is um, Lunchbox the Narcoleptic? So Lunchbox is another OK Player character, uh, one of the more colourful ones. And um, he, 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 had a, he, was, he was one of those guys where, he, you know, he could rap. And at, in those days, it was like, if you can rap, that was more or less enough. You know what I'm saying? So he, I, I'd worked with him a couple of times just just on the strength, you know, just for shits and giggles. And, um, I mean, I instantly realized, like, he was kind of like a, he was kind of one of those guys where you you instantly realize, like, I got I to gotta keep this guy on the right side because if I'm getting on the wrong side, it might be problematic. <laughs> like, and, and. The, the record, the, the, the skits on the record are kind of like a, a tongue-in-cheek sort of um, kind of a hint towards that, towards his sort of, um, you know, just his personality, if you will. Um, he's just a kind of a wild character. Later on, I did some shows with him, and it really got wild. Um, and <laughs> that's kind of like where the Lunchbox story uh, stops. The Lunchbox story stops around 2006 or seven or so. I haven't seen him in a long-ass time, but... He was a funny guy, man. He was a really funny guy. And again, one of those sort of hardcore, okay, player guys. And and so he he uh ended up with a uh with a with a spot on on uh Dutch Masters actually later too with a song of his, but on City Lights he's the host. And I guess those two albums are like his um his 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 legacy for for prosperity, you know what I'm saying? Okay, all right. So let's talk hip hop and continue mm-hmm. in this vein. I was speaking to someone who you met many years ago, just yesterday, Jay Gunn from The Third Day. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I'm working on a secret project. Um, I'll tell you about it off air. So I spoke to Jay Gunn and I spoke to DJ Samps. Mm -hmm. One of my favourite beats from you in the history of life is the fantastic beat. Now, when I heard the beat on City Lights, like I lost my mind. I'm like, this beat is crazy. And then when I heard them rapping on it, I'm like, no, 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 no. This is, this is incredible. Can you tell me about working with the third day? Because, you know, th- their run was, it was brief and short, but for me, you know, message boards, it was really powerful. And I love that album. And it's one of my favorite tracks from you. What do you remember about working with the third day? Um, like, like I, as, as, as everything during those days, I only remember so much of it because I was overseas. And so a lot of it just was internet uh, stuff back and forth. But the long story uh, of it was that once I started working with Fonte, uh, who's from North Carolina, and people sort of figured that out over here locally, um, 
I just started getting blown up by people from North Carolina that that wanted to work with me um, because it became it became sort of like a its own little uh, thing that went around sort of do, those circles. So guys like Superstition, um, guys like Cesar Comanche, and and Third Day were all sort of in that wave of people that that I got to know right after my first tracks with Fonte had sort of hit the hit the internet and so everybody was very interested to see where that could go and um i mainly had like i want to say my communication with with them was limited to the dude um keith i think his name was keith k k slack who was one of the three that's MCs. him yeah 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 um but i knew crisis who was kind of he was not part of the group but crisis was the unofficial member of the group like he made most of the beats from that at some point maybe he was in the group i um i found out he was he was in the group yeah he was probably in the group for a while yeah and then he went on to i guess greater better things but um yeah so he was he was around i know that and so um it was just a matter of me. I just had made, I had made that track and for obvious reasons, it's instantly decided that it wasn't a foreign exchange track. It had just too much aggression to it. It was a little bit too kind of uh, straight ahead, like boom, bap. It was very, it was, I loved it, but I knew that it wasn't really like that. Um, so do I remember what prompted me to give them that one? I have no idea. Um, I know that at some point, not too long after I sent it to him, I think it was DJ Sam's that sent me their vocals. Um, and, um, from there on out, I kind of mixed it. I kind of put it back together. Then I did a remix of it just to kind of keep it, keep it moving. But I always like the track. I mean, it, 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 you know what, there's nothing subtle about it. Um, it is very just, you know, it, I think it's the best of kind of a certain, um, direct sort of like real, real, just sort of like hit to the, to the gut, you know, it's, it's just, it's over before you know it. Um, I really, at the time I really liked the sample that I'd found. And so it kind of, it all kind of came directly from that, um, from that sample of, for me, but in, in 2002, when that track was done, um, that was kind of one, the one that people really, really were like, oh, wow, this is, this is, this is like, we've heard light it up and we've heard Nick's groove. Um, but this is kind of, this is a little bit more, you know, this is a little more grimy, a little bit more, uh, like, 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 again, like a more aggressive sound. And as such, I think it was really cool. Um, and like you said, their run was really short. So that was literally the only thing we've ever done together i think i think that album ended up being either their second album or maybe it was the first and they called it second i don't know if they ever actually because it was perfection experiment part two that's right and like uh, who knows what part one so was, basically but. when i spoke to jay gunn he said they had a bunch of songs for perfection mm -hmm. experiment one a couple mm -hmm. of them made it to part two but okay. part two is the debut Right, right, right. Like, yeah, part two is kind of a fit, like, on the disc. It's, a, it's, a, it's somewhere on the wall here. I have a copy. I mean, um, Sam said he only printed up 1,500. Oh, okay. So I feel I feel very fortunate that I, I, I'm one of them. But again, you know, the lawn. Yeah, I might have to put it on eBay then. I don't know. I think it's somewhere over here. I saw it on Discogs. It's about 70 pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's over there. It's right under uh, sleepers. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where where... 
it probably has that value to whoever knows what that is. Mm. Um, like you might take that disc to like your local record store and they might be like, oh, we don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking that one. But for somebody who knows what it is, I think it, it represents a certain value because at the, at the time, sort of the, the, the birth of, I guess, North Carolina um, hip hop, um, they were kind of up there, you know, and I don't really know why they, um, why they didn't last. I know Jay Gunn is a really talented dude. Um, Kay Sleck was a little bit all over the place. Like he, he was an intelligent guy, but I think he had a bit of a, uh, conspiracy sort of thing going. Like he was really into sort of like real sort of out there stuff. And, um, and I don't know if, you know, I really, this is all, again, this is 20 years ago, literally next year. So I don't, that's all kind of, I know, but Kay Slack was sort of the, the guy that was always just on some, he just was a little bit out there. And then you had the third guy, which I don't even know what his name was. Killer like, K. I, Killer K. That's right. Yeah. I'm speaking to him. I'm speaking to him this weekend. Oh, really? Oh, I'd love to know what his first name is because I never found out. I know. Um, I, I, just, I can tell I you. Never, oh, yeah? Yeah, it's okay. Rich. I, I don't know if it's Rich. Richard. Okay, it's yeah, Rich. that makes sense. I knew it was an R because, like, that's what always, like, it was like, R. Oh, but, yeah, like, so that's to show you how well I know those guys. Like, not at all. Like, I think out of all of them, Crisis is probably the one that I've met the most times over the years. Um and um, but I think I, I think Jay Gunn was the real the, the talent of the of the three, um, as I think he showed later on when he started doing other stuff and his solo stuff. Um, like he, I think he definitely had the most potential of the group. You mentioned how fantastic by the third day is is grimy, it's hard, and it's a punch to the gut. And I felt the same way when I heard what it stands for EMC. Now when I heard that. I'm like, this is crazy. And then when Strickland said, um, your neck sore from Barbin, blame Nicolay. I was like, Nicolay did this? Like, right. yeah. it didn't yeah, sound man. like your, 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 your thing. Like, uh, but it was, it was dope. And I still love that track. Like, how did you, how did you connect with EMC? So I connected with EMC through, I think it was through Strickland. Um, I knew Wordsworth and I knew Master Ace just from being in the in the scene, quote unquote. Um, but Strickland, I I saw him when he would come to foreign exchange shows in Chicago. Like Strickland was from, I think he was from Wisconsin or something Milwaukee, up north, up, somewhere. Parts. Yep. And uh, so he would he would come out to Chicago, which was relatively close. I mean, I'm saying relatively because it's like stupid far but it's it's uh, you know so you'd come to those shows and he would like because he liked for he was the guy that was kind of the fan of what we were doing so he would come to the show and i think he probably at some point said like i have a group with like punchline and wordsworth and master ace like and i mean obviously i was like oh shit and um because I didn't really know Strickland rapped like that. Like, I knew he rapped, but I, again, he just came to the shows and would shoot the shit. So I didn't really know that he was also an inspiring artist. And once I think he told me that, um, again, it was a question of like, okay, like, I hear, you know, Master A's, Wordsworth Punchline, all sort of really MCs, MCs, you know, like, like all kind of champions in their own lane. And, and I think at that point, I, you know, I was making beats 
more or less that 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 fit that vibe because uh, it, a lot a lot of them were more or less just me wanting to do something different than connected that connected had come out real it was a big success but everybody thought connected was really you know pretty and really beautiful and really smooth and mellow and all all of the things that you hear about connected that are all true and all compliments um but I, that kind of made me want to do uh stuff like you know what it stand for um the Wiz Khalifa track you know what it used to be um the superstition joint the williams all kind of more i guess boom bap like back to basic like kind of you know taking out the fat not you know just that was kind of a reaction to that. And so I I um I sent them the track and they loved it, you know, the, the what it stands for. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those hip-hop tracks where it's not there's not much to it, it's not complex, it's not it, it's just a, a a sample that just just you know instantly sort of gets you in that sort of hyped up uh state. So I didn't really need to do much to it, just put some dope drums under it but the sample is kind of what makes that one and they just kind of go off on it so it's it's kind of you know same as the beat the the rhymes are just super it just goes it just goes 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 there's not even really a hook you know what i'm saying it's just they're just kind of you know riffing on what emc stands for throughout and so there, it's just i mean it's just three minutes of just punches and then it's over you know and i think at that time I was really interested in 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 doing that. I was really interested in showing people like like yes, I can be on the Jay Dilla side of it, you know what I'm saying, uh, or even on you know an R&B side of it, if you will. But I also can be on the premier side of it, you know, the Pete Rock side of it, um, beat miners, uh, you know what I'm saying, all the all the kind of really rugged stuff. Like I'm a fan of of all of that. I picked up on that because I think just, you know, among me and my friends and my circles, as much as we, as much as we love what you do, it was very like, you know, we could hear the inspiration from the Jay Diller, you know, if we're, you know, like you're chilling at the house, you know, you might throw in some foreign exchange. I mean, you know, my girlfriend at the time connected was, that was the one. Yeah. We always used to listen to that together. I even gave her a copy of my CD. That's how much. Yeah. Anyway. Um, that's all. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I had to come back and buy another one, man. Like, um, right. uh, that, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, I definitely listened to, you know, tracks like fantastic rise superstition. Um, mm-hmm. and this, and I say, yeah, yeah. yeah, some, some, someone, yeah, someone's, someone's either upset Nicolay or he's trying to make a point. And I think it worked. Yeah, it was the point. Nobody upset me so much as that I want to make a point. And you could make probably a really great sort of compilation of, of like the tracks that you mentioned and a few more. And then you would never know. It would kind of be an outlier in my catalog because I haven't really gone back to that later. But it was like a year or two where I just really sort of had like kind of more like a an, an anti-up like attitude of just I wanted to just make you know, kind of the stuff in hip hop, because like I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of, of stuff like Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul and the net, like the more musical, the more um, organic. Uh, but I, I was also really, really, really huge Duck Down fan. Like I would, you know, um, I was really, really into Smith and Wesson. Like I was really into Wu Tang when they first kind of came out with their 
initial offering. So I always, you know, it, I mean, I was, you know, Ice Cube and stuff. I always liked sort of the, the hip hop, hip hop, Onyx, you know what I'm saying? I love that aggression. I love the really direct way that that communicates with you. Like there's nothing subtle about it. Um, it is a li- it, it's just, a, it is what it is. And for a while, I wanted to sort of kind of see what what I could do with that sort of material. Um, I did find out eventually that that creatively, like it didn't really. I I, I wanted to do more, um, so I, I kind of went off the sampling path. But for a while there, that was kind of my thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I I, I love that part of your career. Let's take you back to foreign exchange, though. Now I'm going to be honest with you, Nick. When I bought Leave It All Behind. I was confused. I wanted connected to, I was one of those people. It was, I'm sorry. It's me. It's me. Um, no, 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 no. I'd, I'd rather you just, I'd rather you just be upfront about it. And then we could just address it, talk about it. Yeah, you know, I, like I wanted, um, I wanted connected <laughs> to, I saw no Von P. I saw, I saw um, no median. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. But after a few months, I kept listening and I get it now. And when I say I get it now, I mean, like, I got it 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. I feel what you guys did. Not only did you go in a new direction, leave it all behind, duh, but you've added longevity to the foreign exchange brand and you made it something totally different to Little Brother. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I've grown to love that project now. But tell me Mm -hmm. about, you know, taking the FE sound in a new direction was it deliberate? What were those conversations like? Was there any kind of um, hesitation to do so? There was definitely, well, like everything with us always happened sort of without us really talking about it too much. So there was never a moment where I said to Fonte, like, hey, we're going to go here now. Um, it, it didn't happen that way. What happened was Connected became very successful, um, but that, you know, Fonte and I were still separate entities in the sense that he was um, he was uh, primarily working with an all little brother. He had the minstrel show. That was kind of what they were working on after Connected um, had sort of done his thing. So and that was a major label uh, affair. So so little brother was in all reality kind of blowing up um, on a on a smaller scale. So little brother took all of Fonte's attention between. 05 and and 06, if you will. Like those were kind of heavy little brother years with Chitlin Circuit, Minstrel Show. Um, I think maybe a couple more things. But so I think for myself, it left me to sort of do things that that that, you know, just my own things. And and for I think in that time, we didn't even think about doing another record. Honestly, it was kind of like, okay, we've done this. People loved it. This could put me on the map as a producer. That was kind of my goal. I wanted to produce for other uh, people um, while Fonte would kind of, you know, do Little Brother. What ended up happening was that um, essentially, like, I went to Japan at some point um, and it was just a little trip that sort of kind of completely blew my my socks off, like just as a cultural impression, as just a different world. Um, it really, really, really sort of um, blew the cobwebs out of my mind, sort of, to, to, to use a George Clinton uh, 
analogy. And I realized that's really when I decided like I'm, I want to I want to let in more of these influences that I've always had, um, but that I've kind of kept at bay for connected because in, in or to service the concept. You know what I'm saying? Like you maybe we could have had a house track on connected but that would have probably sort of taken away from i think the overarching feel but but we were always going to do you know stuff like that uh, down the road we just had never talked about it being foreign exchange so that sort of prompted in me uh, a desire to do more musical things like as in like compositions that have, you know, verses, choruses, bridges, um, just more evolved songs ultimately. Um, and so Daykeeper was kind of one of those early examples where I recorded that maybe a week after I came back from Japan. And I, I recorded two or three more in the same vein. And I, I more or less sent it to Fonte to kind of just show him like, hey, this is this is what I was doing. And that sort of started the uh, the back and forth of like, okay, he responded to that track. He actually really loved it. And so Daykeeper came about and that became a back and forth of like, you know, if I can send him Daykeeper, I can send him House of Cards. If I can send him House of Cards, I can send him, you know, leave it all behind. If I can send him, leave it all behind, you know, so we had, more and more, I guess, adventurous tracks while we kept sort of, I think, some of the connected feel by having tracks like um, Something to Behold or Take Off the Blues or even I Want to Know. Um, while they're all R&B tracks in this particular uh, 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 context, um, those were kind of sort of the, the hints back to connected, you know, and then the rest of the material was was a little bit more to the left side of it. And it all happened organically. I, we never, I never said like to Fonte, like I'm gonna just keep sending you weirder and weirder shit. It just, um, I did it. And as long as he said, like, keep it coming, I was just keeping it coming. And so when we were done, I do think we looked back and we're like, oh shit, this is um, not, you know, like there's only one or two raps on it in general, I think. And we definitely realized like, okay, like this is, this is not, this is different, but, but this is the move, you know? And I think that we were, um, we were a little nervous about it, you know, we, at the time, but very confident that it was the right thing to do for us. Like you said, we, it didn't make any sense to keep developing foreign exchange into a connected lane if there was a little brother lane right next to it. So it made a lot of sense to take the seeds in Connected that were more R&B-like, if you will, like Come Around, like, um, you know, like Sincere, uh, like like, kind of take that kernel and and use that to build on instead of for Raw Life, where, I love that song. Oh. It is, you know, those are all kind of, you know, decisions that you make over time, you know? So I think that, I think we, uh, I think we, looking back, it seems a real, a real kind of, it seems like it was all meant to be, right? Like we did that and then there's a Grammy nomination and we're all looking like, oh, we know everything. And, And that wasn't at all how it went. Like I can't claim sort of like this sort of like 
I wasn't this sort of master orchestrator of like, we're going to do leave it all behind, which is different. And they're not going to get it at first. And then they're going to get it. And then we're going to get a Grammy nominated. And then we're going to like, we just were flying by the seats of our pants. And, and um, it just happened that people liked it. Like, obviously there was a part of the fan base that was very vocal about the absence of rap. And, um, and, and they still are to this day, like some of them, um, ironically, but but the the larger fan base really responded to it, especially when we started touring it. Yeah, because um, when you came to London, and mm-hmm. when you did um, I want to know because that's my favorite song from the project. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I get it now. It it, yeah. it makes it makes sense, and you know, I guess me being, I don't want to use the word purist because it does let me down sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. I do appreciate all different types of music, but at the same time, I like what I like. So yeah, of course. I love Connected. At first, heard Leave It All Behind, I'm like, mm, but I love that project now. And I'm so glad that you took the foreign exchange experience in that direction because now I'm older. It just, where I'm at in life and it where I want to be, it feels, right. oh man, it's great. Well, and that was the thing that I think looking back, we were we were looking to achieve is, is a situation where like we need to come up with a way to 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 create a legacy that that fits not only with our lives, you know, because like again, leave it all behind was four years later. Um, there's relationship, there's kids, there's you know different things are at play, and so the music has to has to represent what we're going through, but it also has to connect with what the listener is going through. And I think at first, same with authenticity later, but in a much more extreme way because that album really did piss some people off. But really, but, but with, oh oh, dude, oh, we can talk about that later, like a lot. But like, leave it all behind and and authenticity to whatever degree were albums that later on. Once people were in those particular positions in life, whether it was breakups or, you know, anything else, all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, this is like, this record says exactly what I'm feeling. Like all these 11 songs are exactly what I'm feeling. Like, how is that even possible? You know, and that just took time. I think it it took people to grow with us. Um, We were very, very fortunate that they, that they did, that they, that most of the fans made the investment both in us as well as in their, their themselves to, to grow with us, you know, to, to, instead of saying like, well, this is not, you know, the answer, or this is not, you know, brave new world. Like <laughs> these, they, they all took the effort to, 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 to appreciate what it was and mm-hmm. to see that, Oh, okay. This is actually fitting with, I'm, I'm growing in life. And so I, I can take this with me into the next stage of my life. And, mm. and because we did that, I think we were able to keep moving. I think if we had given mm. you connected two and potentially connected three, that's where the buck would have stopped because at that point there, we would have painted ourselves in a corner where by sort of going the other direction, I think we were able to, to sort of stay relevant. You yeah, know? I agree. I was, um, I was listening to authenticity today and, you know, just to, to, to build on what you said, some of the songs on that are just incredible, man. Like the title track, You Don't Want True From Me, You Just Want What You Want. I felt chills because I know what that feels like. Do you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Um, the yeah, same, yeah. Oh, the yeah. same yeah. without yeah. you. Come on, man. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think authenticity probably is our, um, like, it's kind of our singer-songwriter album in a way. Um, but it's, 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 it's the, I think, I think song-wise probably the one that I'm most proud of. Um, it came at a time where after Leave It All Behind, again, we had a moment of choice of like, you know, cause, cause the irony is now people wanted Leave It All Behind part two, right? So <laughs> you can't please us, do, man. We, right. We do, <laughs> we do Leave It All Behind after Connected to say like, you know, ha ha. And now we're here and now everybody's like, oh shit, now we love this. Now we want this again. And so we're again having to say, ha ha, because otherwise, you know, this becomes it. So we, we're, we're at this point, like well on the way. And authenticity was in a moment of time where, um, where we wanted to, A, showcase that growth. Um, I think we wanted to try uh, something with more kind of acoustic elements uh, here and there. Um, like some country elements, even if you will. Yeah, um, yeah, laughing at your plans. Yeah, right, 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 and and some rock elements, and I mean, in all reality, it is kind of more a singer songwriter album in that sense. It's an R and B album, but kind of with 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 singer songwriter kind of Neil Young esque or whatever you want to call it, um, sort of vibes to it. And our fans at first hated it. Um, they they really they really felt it was um, a little bit of a depressing listen at first. And if you, if you just sit down with it, face value, it, it might come across that way a little bit. It has, um, it has a lot of uh, songs that deal with not being in the right place. Um, and I think people really wanted to, again, uh, we're not ready to hear that at that time. Uh, this is another album that now, if you ask a foreign exchange fan, that one is kind of the badge of honor. Like if you say as a foreign exchange fan that you're in, into authenticity, it's kind of your way of saying like, I'm, I'm expert level foreign exchange fan. Like I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's, like, um, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I, I had a moment of transparency with myself today and mm-hmm. okay. I'll say, I'll say it again, connected. That's my joint. But I said, you know what? I think authenticity to me, connected and authenticity are like the two piece for me. Cause you know, connected's got the hip hop stuff all day. Right. Great. But authenticity. Yeah. That's, that's the one right there. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, we were really, really proud of it. And so at first, again, there was some, there was some uh, reaction from fans, but again, the touring helped. So when we, when we were in London at the cargo, that was actually the authenticity tour. Okay. So that was, the album where that was the tour that we really promoted that album. And I think it took the tour for people to understand songs like, um, uh, uh, songs like the last fall songs like authenticity, um, you know, in themselves kind of songs dealing with the other side of love, you know, love that doesn't work out, love that is not perfect, love that is not good for you. You know what I'm saying? All those things that, that again, if you're in that spot in your life, you're all of a sudden like, holy shit. Like a song like This City is never, uh, uh, isn't the same without you. Um, if you're in a happily, in a, in a great relationship and it's spring and you're just all like, that ain't the song for you. You know what I'm saying? But if you've ever been in that position, you know exactly how that feels. And, and I think that happened with authenticity where looking back, people were able to, 
appreciated once they were at a moment in their lives where that music became sort of relevant to their situation. Yeah. You know? Agreed. Agreed. Question for you. Did you guys really come up with the chopped and screwed version of Daykeeper in a, in in rehearsals for the live album? Yeah, yeah, we did. We that did. is yeah. crazy. I mean, we didn't really even rehearse so much. Like we we did a little. Um, the the thing about that was that whole thing. Look, it, it, we we made it look effortless, but it was kind of a disaster from from the start, because this was literally a month after so a month after we came home from London from from Europe. So we did the tour. We did two shows in London, fantastic shows. You know, we did uh, Paris and Amsterdam, and we did uh, some stuff in Germany, and it was really, really great. And we had Cy Smith on vocals with us, and we had um, we had my man Ab on uh, vocals with us. Because, he's incredible. They both are. They both. Yeah, are. he's incredible. Really great. Um, for the for just for the FE fans, this was you know just in the timeline. Um, Ab joined us as a replacement for Darian Brockington. Like Darian Brockington, at the end of 2010, he uh, he stepped aside to to kind of really just live his own life. He just wasn't really trying to do much more than that, but he wanted to just spend some attention on his life and himself. And so he didn't want to go out on the road. So Ab stepped in, and Ab did a fantastic job. And Ab and Cy were fantastic but the the day i think before we were set to do the acoustic set so we may have been back for maybe two weeks i think ab had like he had something with his vocal cords like i think he may have gotten sick on the road or maybe right after but either way he couldn't sing and um so he had to bow out and that's why we invited gene jolly the uh, the other lady on the on the dear friends um concert um and she didn't know any of our material like she didn't know none of that shit like when you see her kind of sort of tentatively singing you see her kind of looking a lot of fonte looking a lot of sigh she's doing an amazing job but you can tell like she is this is all first time shit for her and and so it was really um it was really largely spontaneous um you know, we had sort of written down the songs that we wanted to hit. We had kind of talked about the different styles. We wanted to do some 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 switch ups, and but honestly, most of that just happened kind of in the moment. Um, obviously, Fonte is an amazing, uh, you know, frontman comedian. One of the funniest comedian. men on earth. Yeah, literally, like literally, <laughs> one of the funniest guys on earth. I mean, that is just true, and so. To whatever degree, as we're the band, like all we have to do is just just follow, like just you know what I'm saying. Like mm. it's really that it's kind of like a conductor. Like he, while he he doesn't play a musical role per se, as in like he doesn't direct us or he doesn't play an instrument, but we all follow what Fonte does on stage. You know what I'm saying? And and that that is one of the greatest. That like being on stage with Fonte is one of the greatest experiences that you can have because it it literally goes in any direction you might hear him sing an incredible song like from the depth of his guts you know what i'm saying to him just being young eddie murphy richard pryor like and introducing the um the mad walrus character oh my god <laughs> i mean and you you don't and i mean that that dvd <laughs> and that show is a very little like, cause obviously it was cleaned up and it wasn't, you know, like full Fonte at the show 
is literally like going to see Richard Pryor or Eddie Murphy. I in agree. Their prime, but only if they also could sing. Like right. so, like he he will sing these amazing songs, and then in between songs, like talk shit, like you wouldn't believe. Yep. And it, it's such a great combination. Not everybody like sometimes people don't know, and we get like. You know, because he's very colorful in his language. He he likes to use yes, he does. words that a lot of people, you know, find offensive. And so every now and then a new fan will sort of enter the arena that has no idea of this layer of Fonte. They've just heard Take Off the Blues. And 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 those people are normally in for like a, a, a very rude awakening. They, 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 don't, they don't know about Percy Miracles, mate. Listen, they really don't like I. I'll tell you, like, with like, and it's never a dull moment with Fonte. And I mean, a lot of that stuff I can't even repeat, like, on podcasts, but <laughs> it's it's just a joy to be on stage with that man. Like, and because you know, again, all we need to do is just not fuck up. Like, we just, all we need to do is follow his lead and sort of play into what he's doing and it's going to be magic and it, it it's like that night after night after night shout out to fonte he is one of my if i could reincarnate you would come back as fonte listen nicola it's not a joke he's my he's my man crush it's not a joke it's okay i mean as long as you know as long as that keeps sort of like the thing about and i'll say in all seriousness like he's a very i can i can totally there's there's something about him um i i think it took me time to sort of put myself out of to, to kind of get outside of my own body and, and and walk back and look at what we have accomplished and realize what an incredible talent it is i mean it's it's it sounds silly but when you're just kind of doing all this stuff you just kind of it seems like the most normal thing in the world you know but every now and then you step back and you realize this man is literally in his lane there is nobody that that can even touch that like and that is so fascinating to me um to work with somebody who is at the top of their not only their game but like the game you know again it's it's on our level but it's it's undisputed like fonte gets respect from all layers of the artist community fonte gets respect from singers you know r&b guys uh, Fonte gets respect from alternative artists, like artists that are more a little left field. Fonte gets respect from Bun B and them, like rappers, like the rappiest of the rappers. You know what I'm saying? He can roll in all of those uh, scenes, and that that I think I think a lot of people don't even realize, like the vast sort of like musical you know, knowledge and, and just feel that he has a huge Radiohead fan. Like he's an absolute Radiohead stand. That's what, that was one of the first things we had in common. It was like, okay, like after the obvious stuff, like, okay, we like, you know, we all like tropical quiz. It was like, no, this is like, now we're talking about stuff that might be deal breaker shit. Like, you know, like, Hey, do you know? And it was like Radiohead and just, you know, um, a lot of UK shit, man, you know, obviously for hero and just the whole, you know, just just everything that was kind of more off the beaten path for us, you know. So we had that in common. Like we we both like just a vast variety of music. Um, you mentioned Gene Jolly, and it takes me back to a time in the in the FE timeline where you were releasing music from other artists who weren't necessarily foreign exchange. That Yazara album, the Ballad of Purple Saint James, Nicolay, let me tell you something. That album is whew, 
I love that album. I love that album so much. I think I put it up there with some of the best R&B albums of the last 10, 15 wow. years. Personally. That's amazing. Um, wow. Median. Like he just dropped a second album out of nowhere on foreign exchange. Literally, I don't know. <laughs> Literally, and then he went away again. Um, yes. Tell, yeah. tell me about foreign exchange because you know what it reminded me of? There was a time when um, Duck Down were seen as a label that you're just bootcamp click. And then what they started to do, they signed Ed OG, Torre, and they branched out. And I, I felt like, okay, this, this feels similar. Like, why were those decisions made? And also tell me about Median just dropping his second album out of nowhere and disappearing right. on us again. Yeah, so me, yeah, I'll, I'll say that one for last because it's 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 in itself a funny story. But no, I mean, I think we we started we started the label for Leave It All Behind really as a vehicle to release our own record. We had talked to BBE, which were the label behind Connected, and they were into it. They they wished as well, but they were more or less on the way out. They were kind of folding operations, and they were like, we wouldn't really be able to do this justice and. It's a little bit different than what we normally do. So why don't you guys just do it yourself, you know? And um, we, I don't think we, had, we kind of were still in that mind state of like, you need a label to release a record kind of like deal and hadn't really ever thought of like, why, why don't we do it ourselves? And when that thought arrived, it was like, okay, cool. We'll just, you know, we can just do this ourselves. Like, and that's what we did. Um, a couple of years in, you know, we've done authenticity. We've done some of my stuff, some city light stuff, Shibuya, et cetera. We just started realizing like, okay, like we, we really can't carry this with just like Fonte and Nicolay. Like if, if, if every record is either Fonte or Nicolay or Fonte and Nicolay or Nicolay and Fonte, <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, at some point they're going to realize like, you know, so we we were like the the best thing to sort of grow the brand, but not be a hundred percent. You know, depending on ourselves, would be to uh, start releasing projects by people that we've either worked with in the band, like so, like Zoe became a a uh, a member of the or uh, became a label fixture because he he was a keyboardist in our band, um, and the same was kind of true for Yazra. She appeared on Connected and Leave It All Behind and toured with us. And so our initial aim was to just give those people a, a, a platform, you know, give them, kind of reward them, if you will, for being down when we needed them, you know, to show up for the foreign exchange. We wanted to show them, like, we, we can be there for y'all too um, and, and, and give you a platform to release records. So over time, we've done that. With Zoe, we've done it with Yazra, with Median, like you said, we've done it with uh, with Gene Jolly, which was a straight ahead country record, which probably was kind of us really pushing the limits of what we what we could do as a label. But but there was a time where we felt it was important to to, to do that, and um, and I think to whatever degree we still do. I mean, the 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 music landscape has changed a lot, so we're not we're not driving the label as hard as we did uh, a few years ago. Um, but it's still sort of our philosophy that like, it's not really, it's not really so much like how bright our candles burn, you know, but it's, it's much more important to, to use the candle to light as many other ones mm -hmm. as we can while we have this time that the eyes are on us, you know? So that was kind of the philosophy behind that. Makes sense. What's the story with the median? 
I mean, that's the whole thing. Nobody knows what the story is. Like the the funny thing, like median, even when the first Little Brother album, The Listening, deals with deals with this very topic. Um, Shorty on the Lookout is a track that that people probably know from that album, and that's that's the median story. It, it talks about that median is just never around. Um, median is is an incredible MC. He's pro- he was one of the more talented ones in the Justice League to me. So when he did like all that you are, amazing, all right so with us, amazing, like just just an incredible uh, chemistry with Fonte. You know, Fonte and Median together is is on another level. And so, you know, I think everybody sort of had the hope that that Median was um, was one of the the next to, to in line. You know, but Median is not really worried about um, having a career tr- in a traditional sense. Um, he can fall out of love with music very easily and fall back into it uh, at some point. But ultimately, just somebody that not was not going to do this as his life. Okay. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So he'll disappear for years on end. Um, I mean, not disappear as in like we don't know where he like. I mean, we may not know where he is, but we know roughly where he is. I mean, he's just at home, you know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, but it, so it's not like he's going to South America or whatever, but he just, um, he just, from time to time, you will just, he will just kind of lay super low. And then every so often, it's been a, a while now that I've seen him, but the second album was kind of just an example of him just all of a sudden getting a, a burst, whatever it is. And that may have been, inspired by either Fonte or Ninth Wonder at the time. I don't know, or it came out of him, but that was a time where all of a sudden he was, he was, he had a lot to say and, um, and he did, you know, and he's going to be somebody that you look back on. You realize like he only did two albums, I think maybe two in a mixtape. He did two and he did Um, a medians path to relief, which was like an EP mixtape thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so not a huge catalog, but but definitely just a, a massive talent and kind of somebody that if the if things had gone different, I could have seen him become like a major staple of I think our movement uh, for certain, but but even maybe bigger than that. But ultimately, somebody who's just content to drop some music whenever he feels like it, and it's totally good when he's not. Yeah, and that's that's fine with me because you know. Median has a small discography, but it's it's potent. It's a potent discography. Like Median's Relief and The Sender, yeah, I put them up high. And he's got a cult following. Like, you know, people, if you go on Twitter and type in Median Justice League, people are still talking about him. Like him, Legacy. Yeah, like Legacy, uh, Edgar Allan Flo. I mean, a lot of those guys were really good. It's just, I think, I think looking back on it, like, I mean, the guys that we just listed were actually really good, like, Edgar Allan Poe and and Medium particularly were just incredible to me personally too, um, and but I think I think when Little Brother sort of became the thing that that was first, but also you know right away kind of was the thing, um, you know I don't think everybody could was able to follow up or, or catch up, um, you know, and and so the Justice League thing sort of became a little bit more fragmented around kind of little brother. Um, and some of the, some of the guys from the, from, you know, from the earliest days, um, you know, we're looking back, we're just not able to, I guess, um, 
parlay it into something similar. You know what I mean? But but the talent was there, man. The talent was really, 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 really there. And um, and it was a great time. I mean, it, it seemed like there was MCs coming out that the, the, the woodwork. Like, it was very, very reminiscent of, of Wu-Tang Clan to me, where you had several MCs that were not just good, but were up there. You know what I'm saying? And um, so it was an exciting time because yeah. of that. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Nick, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up shortly. I've got one more question to ask you. Let's talk about analog dreams. I want to talk to you about this this uh, trio of EPs, and then I also want to just pick your brain on some collaborations that may not have happened that we don't know about. So I know oh. you've done I know you've done Analog Dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, just for the benefit of the listeners, a great project, by the way. Um, Thank you. Why why Analog Dreams? So that is that is a great question. I mean, it really um, was sort of uh, a, a thing that I wanted to do for a while. Um, but just the pandemic, the pandemic, the, the, the first couple of months, it really, I just really had no creative sort of inspiration. And I heard, I heard that from everybody around me, Fonte, uh, Carmen Rogers, like any of the people that we working with, we were all just like, I mean, I think across the world, we were all sort of a little shell shocked and it wasn't really an environment where I think we uh, we knew what to do, you know, and that carried over into the summer with the uh, murder of George Floyd and the protest movement that um, I felt needed to be front stage and center. Um, so at that time, I just felt like releasing music wasn't prudent unless you were going to directly address this this injustice you know what i'm saying and there were artists that do that and they are really good at that and i wanted them to have the stage um ultimately we're we we might have commentary but we're not you know the foreign exchange is not uh run the jewels or something like that where killer mike and <clears throat> you know is is the the, the perfect guy to talk about this shit you know what i'm saying so really the most of 2020 i was just kind of um hanging back and in the summer i started it started sort of itching a little bit and i had a lot of material and that i was really happy with but it was all over the place there wasn't really a rhyme or reason to it it was just some of it was this some of it was that and um then i decided if i just if i sort them right kind of by by tempo if I just kind of look at them by tempo, I have like three little stacks of, of songs that all kind of have the same sort of vibe that way. And that's kind of how I started approaching it. So the first EP is a uh, kind of drum and bass-esque uh, tribute uh, to, to, you know, uh, kind of thinly veiled Mark Mack, Four Hero, you know, tribute, if you, if you want to call it. I mean, it's not, you know, it's no secret. Like I, I you know, I adore Four Hero and, and and Mark Mack and and Dago, and so you're gonna always have, you know, a little bit of that influence. So that was that. Then I have one that is all house related tempos, um, and the third one is more, uh, you know, uh, down tempo, if you will, uh, lo-fi, a little bit more in the zero seven uh, range. Like I'm. You see, I'm just name dropping UK bands like it's nothing. Like I want you to, uh, I want you to notice like how incredibly well versed I am in 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 the music of Great Britain. No, I know, uh, I know. I, I saw your post on the lawn. I remember them. Trust me. 
Trust me. I know. I know what time it is. Right, right, right. I, I just want to make sure. But uh, no, no, I'm just fucking around. But uh, no, it was it was really that. And so I um, I just essentially ended up releasing them as EPs. And Infante was the one who said, like, well, what you should do is you should kind of stagger them, like, one at a time. And then at the end, you can sort of bundle them all on vinyl, you know? And, and so it was his idea to do that. So th- th- at this point, it's out on vinyl. Like, it's a three-disc... Uh, so it's really cool. It's numbered. It's limited edition. So it's um, it's just it's just an, a project for me to <clears throat> um, to in a, if I had to say it in a disrespectful way to just get some material out in the world. Uh, but that's kind of what it is. It's it, there's no concept to it. There's no sort of deeper. I called it analog dreams because I look at them all as kind of dream scape like sounding stuff. Um, but there's no real sort of deeper purpose, deeper concept. It's just music. It's, it's kind of ear candy music, you know what I'm saying? I put a lot of kind of ear candy in there, a lot of mix, subtlety tricks and stuff like that. Um, kind of the stuff that, that I don't always get to do with Foreign Exchange because of Foreign Exchange record, it's, it's all in service of the song, of the performance, you know. So this is kind of how I got to nerd out a little bit, you know, and, um, and get my itch uh, taken care of that way. But... It's, I'm very proud of it. It's just, it's just kind of. I see it as sort of the, the the bridge to, I think, what is next for us, kind of like on the horizon. You know what I'm saying? Sort of a, a, a just a, a moment to sort of take notice of of what came before, what's happening now, and what could potentially happen in the future for us. Nice, nice. And my last question, because you've given me so much of your time, and I appreciate oh, it. Oh, it's it's all my pleasure, brother. Um, collaborations that didn't happen. I think every artist has a story about something they were working on or nearly happened or they wanted to do and it didn't happen. Do you have any of those? Oh, I have, to, I have uh, well, I'm not going to say a ton because that's not really true. And, and some, you know, obviously I can't really talk about. Okay. And that's what, kind of part of the whole why that didn't happen. Right. But, um, but then there's been, there's been times where it was just, um, scheduling you know what i'm saying or it did not work out and there's been times where there have been people that have dramatic personalities and baggage and shit going on that makes you think like you know what mm-hmm. let's just not do this yeah. um yeah. and so it's everywhere in between like we've had we've I've, we've always wanted to do a song with victor to play for instance um and 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 we're we're mutual fans and i i did up end up uh remixing a song of his but with the foreign exchange it kind of never happened because every time we send him a demo you know he would either be kind of looking for something else or maybe he wasn't working at a project in time so the first song we send him was actually the song authenticity was a wow. victory play demo or we we recorded it as a demo for victor um and I, i'm not really sure why it didn't work out so we kind of were like well you know we do it ourselves and the second one was Pity. That was another one that we sent Victor first. Um, Pity was the B-side to call it home later for us. But um, that was a, that was originally a Victor uh, demo. So it kind of, there's ex- examples like that in the FE catalog mainly, mm. where initially it may have started as a track that we would have sent to a particular artist that it just, for whatever reason, never happened. And it comes back to us and Fonte ends up being the artist that actually executes it. And it kind of started as a 
uh, as a, you know, again, the material leave it all behind, even specifically. I think we would have been fine had we just recorded that with another artist and 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 with us more as kind of the Jam and Lewis um, providing the material. You know, it was just it never worked out. I think artists were for various reasons <clears throat> that just never happened. So Fonte just ended up singing all of the songs that he wrote, um, and he that's you know, later on got really comfortable with being the singing front man. But at first that was the last thing that he wanted to, you know, he wanted to just write songs for, for others. So it's, it's interesting. Some of it uh, never worked out. We've had some, you know, we've had, and, and, and some um, maybe in the future will still happen. Um, and others, you realize you dodged the bullet. <laughs> and uh, it happens, so, man. you know what I mean? It's, it's, it it's all over the place. But but I will say, like, the people that you that you hear on our records, the people that, you know, we have collaborated with over the years are all, um, to whatever degree, such such masters of their craft that, um, that I have nothing, there's nothing that I feel like I've left to wish or to, you know what I'm saying? There's That's nothing dope. that I think I haven't done or haven't achieved. It's just, you know, I've, 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 for the last 20 years, I've worked with people that are all masters at their craft, mm. like like at the top of their game. Mm. You mm. know what I'm saying? So that is an incredible environment to be around. Like they always say, like, you should never be the smartest person in the room, right? Like that is what you hear a lot. And that is fucking true. Like that is literally not what you want to do but if you surround yourself with greatness you know we we pull you can pull yourself up like that way and 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 that that's a, a give and take like we we've always again wanted to share that platform with a lot of these people uh because we're fans of you know darian brockington and yazra and karma rogers and shante can and and Cy smith and and uh carlita durand and i mean the list at this point is Jesse Boykins. Um, I mean, the list is pretty stunning. If you just if you just write a list of, of especially this sort of singing talent that over the years I think has, um, and we certainly haven't discovered these people. Like, don't get I, I wouldn't claim that, but they've we've been able to present their sound to a larger audience through our um, platform. You know, the, the the singing talent is that we've been fortunate to work with has been just absolutely. Um, absolutely incredible. Just super humbling. Like I, I, I can't, like I can't tell you one thing. I can't name one artist right now that I'm like I still haven't this or I've, I've worked with the most amazing people. And all those people you mentioned before we close, I deem as key characters in the in the foreign exchange universe. If foreign exchange was like yeah. the wire and you've got all these different characters, those people you named are integral parts of the story, and I have so much love and respect for all of them. So as we close, I just want to say, Breaking Atoms, we, we, we salute our heroes and we have stand moments. And, um, you know, in the last few months, you know, we've mourned the loss of DMX, Shock G, Black Rob. And I don't want to wait until my heroes are no longer here to give them their flowers. So I'm saying this publicly, Nicola, you are a hero of mine. Your story is so integral to my, to my I call it my second act in hip hop. Um, as a big justice, what was your, what was your first tribe? Your first? Wu Tang. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But then the when original. I got, yeah, when I yeah. got my um, my first computer, and I got on right. those message boards, 
What yes. I love about your sound is that I was in this new world and I started discovering Odyssey. I first heard him on Connected. Oh man, incredible talent. I did a song with him. He's incredible. Um, yeah. You know, cunning linguists, low budget, deaf jokes, Eastern Conference. I fell into this world, but your music made that world feel a bit closer to home because of the European mm. influences. Because I'm over here. For sure. And yeah. um, Connected is a snapshot in my life. Leave it all behind. All of that foreign exchange. Man, I just love what you guys do. You'll always, 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 always have a fan in me. And if there's anything we can do to help you, Thank you using sir. our platform, you have it. And I really appreciate my time. And you, my friend, are an absolute G. Ah, oh, brother. Thank you so much, man. I, man, you got me. You got me in my feelings. I, I wouldn't... Uh, I wasn't prepared for this. No, I appreciate it, man. It honestly, like as sappy as it sounds, but that is literally what we do it for. You know, this is, I mean, we've been very fortunate to have made a living doing music, but it's not, you know, we're not living in white mansions. You know what I'm saying? Like it's important that, um, that people realize that we've been very, very lucky, but it really is, it's really connections like this and hearing just how this has meant something to you in your life. Um, I, that really trumps anything else that I would want to achieve, man. Like, I think, I think it's interesting because it is a tough time in music right now. Um, it is, and, and, and not so much music, but the, the exploitation of it, if you will, if you're an artist and, and you're just getting started, it's going to be very, very hard to get a footing at this point in the streaming landscape where there's seemingly just unending music that never gets played. You know what I mean? Um, and so um, it's really, really, I, I'm just really, really glad to know that we're, we're reaching, we're making connections with people. We're, we're making interhuman connections. Again, like it's, I don't care about plays. I don't care about, you know, I don't care about hits. I, I mean, we got hits, but you know what I'm saying? I don't care about charts. I don't care about sort of any of that stuff. Like what you just said is literally what we do it for, man. Yeah. And I mean, every word of it. Thank you so much. And um, I yeah, appreciate man, you, dude. I, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Till the next one in ten years, right? We'll do the we'll do the follow up. We should, and you know what? Um, I hope to see you guys in the UK soon. I know things are opening up, and um, yeah. you know, I'm ten years older. I got a bit of money in my pocket. I got some new life experience. I'm coming out to see you lot. I th- I think I think I, I can without without being able to narrow it down. Like we haven't been overseas in a in a in a in a, in a while, so. I'm not going to put a time frame on it, but, but know that we are actively looking, you know, to see what that would mean. Um, I think it's going to take some time to figure all this shit out, honestly. Um, you know, I think the whole touring thing is going to ultimately start back up. Um, some of it will not come back, you know, some of it will. So I think we just kind of all have to give it some time, give it some patience, but I I can't wait, man. I mean, our, our gigs in, in, in the UK, uh, we've all, we've done two tours in the UK, and they've been just absolutely incredible. Um, and so, especially London, bro, I got so much love for London. Yeah, man, that's like how that. we do it, man. Oh, just, we don't play, man. Come on, no, I, come I, on, I, you I came got to the much, capital, like, bro. I mean, and I'm the first time at the, at the Jazz Cafe, but like, because this was like my first first show in London was actually with little brother at the Jazz Cafe. Um, n- nobody remembers this. But um, Little Brother came to the Jazz Cafe for the first time in, I think it was 2005, January of 2005. I missed that show. 
you probably missed it. Um, I don't know how many people were there, but Connected had just come out. So Fonte was like, why don't you come over from the from the Amsterdam uh, side of things and just sit in. So I just sat in with them on keyboards, but it was a little brother set. It was fantastic. Um, and that night I met, man, I met a who is who of British music royalty. Like that's when I met Mark Mack for the first time, Jazzy B, Giles Peterson, like just, they were all like, it was the who's who of like kid, kid you know, cutting edge, like, his music. So ever since I've I've had just a a little bit of a love affair with with London, but specifically with the Jazz Cafe, because that's just a, that was a cool ass place. And um, London was one of the first places that really showed us like legit, sincere, big love. So we uh, we appreciate. Yeah, it. and next time you're here, um, next time you're here, we'll, I mean, hopefully, you know, not hopefully, we'll stay in touch. Next time you're here, I'll take you for some drinks. That sounds great, man. I would love to do that. I would love to, man. Respect to Nicolay for coming through on Breaking Atoms and sharing his story. Make sure you check out his music at www.theforeignexchangemusic.com. And if you are unfamiliar with Foreign Exchange, then I have some bad news for you. You really are trash, but there is hope. There is a website out there and a whole world full of good foreign exchange music for you to dive into. Either way, the catalogue is really dope, especially when you get to my age and the concept of going out and mixing with people sounds like an ordeal. Special shout out to friend of the show, Sean Kantrowitz, aka Lord Shuff from Can't Knock the Shuffle. Reason being is that he recently had Nicolay on his show. I got all giddy on Twitter. Nicolay saw it and I asked him to come on the pod. So here we are. Big up to Sean Kantrowitz every time. We are on the socials and you can find us at Break the Atoms on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Summit is at Hip Hop Chronicle and you can find me at I Am Kinetic across the whole social sphere. We'll be back with more rap chat for the intelligent heads real soon. Peace.